0: Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. This is Shang Peng, editor-in-chief of San Jose Hockey Now, also with NBC Sharks. Find me on Twitter at Shang underscore Peng.
1: This is Keegan McNally. I'm a writer for San Jose Hockey Now. You can find my work at Half Wall Hockey on Twitter, uh, my website HalfWallHockey.com, as well as on San Jose Hockey Now. It's great to be here.
0: We've got a real special guest on this podcast, Jason Demers. Daddy talks about where he is with retirement and shares some exciting news about possible TV work with NHL network and wait for it. Maybe NBC sharks. He also shares hilarious shark stories and tells us everything we need to know about the holiday sweater video.
1: Yeah, it's an amazing interview. You guys should watch it. Um, Jason was a super cool guy that, that uh, sat down with us for a very long time and talked all about his future plans and a whole bunch of stuff. So um, before we get to that, uh, it was, as expected, a August um, for the NHL. Can I an interrupt August you, week? too?
0: I just remembered something yeah. that that Jason said. He also called out Ozzy Weisblot, and we didn't expect that. And it's totally That's worth true. waiting till the end to listen to that. I just remember that right now. That's hilarious. He anyway. He has some
1: uh, quips about the, the Barracuda boys that I think yes, is interesting, <laughs> yeah, including Ozzy. Um, but it was a, uh, yeah, it was an August in uh, the NHL, uh, which means that this week basically nothing happened happened. Mm-hmm. Um there for the sharks there was pretty much no news. Uh league-wide, the uh RFA that everybody was waiting to see if they're going to sign their contract. Um uh, well, I guess the upcoming free agent that got signed was uh, Austin Matthews who signed a huge deal today. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much it. So we thought um you know, just because we don't have much to talk about that we're going to do a super early, way too early ultra early 2024 draft preview um to talk about a few of the top guys who we think the sharks fans should probably keep an eye on for this coming year um yeah. important note sharks have currently two first round picks could maybe get a third if the new jersey devils um make the uh, i think it's the eastern conference finals next year then their, their pick would upgrade to a third first round pick for the sharks so yeah Keep in look mind
0: just how early this is. You, you know, mm-hmm. we did the same exercise last summer. We might have had you know Callum Ritchie in the top five. I don't know anybody else that jumps pops in your mind that that uh, dropped a, a bit. But so again, this is a way too early exercise. But I think it's still instructive in terms of just you know going into the year, just who are a few of the names to kind of keep an eye on uh, early on and see if they kind of hold their status, uh, kind of holds or if they rise.
1: Yeah, and I mean, every year there's a few guys that we kind of know are going to be probably top five, top ten, and then a bunch of guys that we overestimate and underestimate. So Mm. we're going to name a few. There's a couple (laughs) of like early draft trends that I think are are interesting that we should get into, and we should probably start at the top, which um, the uh, biggest name to know is former uh, San Jose Junior Shark, uh, Macklin Celebrini. Shang, have you heard of Macklin Celebrini before?
0: Yes, I have, and uh, also too going to Boston University. So he sounds like he's ready made to be a shark.
1: Boy, that you know, with the sharks um, having a little bit of a specific Boston connection, uh, and him being a junior shark, it kind of feels right, right. So that means which means it won't
0: happen, and the will sharks not. will lose the lottery and end up <laughs> yeah. with a six pick.
1: Hundred <laughs> percent won't happen, or they they have the ability to draft him, and they take somebody we've never heard of <laughs> right <laughs> um but he is like the uh presumed number one for the upcoming um 2024 draft he's a 5 foot 11 um center um he's been basically all over the map for the past year or so he had an amazing ushl season uh he's a canadian playing in um uh, usa juniors he um Put up uh, 86 points in 50 games as an underager, which is good. <laughs> it's actually better record uh, per points per game wise than Adam Ventilli had at the same uh, age, basically. So, a lot of hype surrounding Macklin Celebrini. Um, he, you know, he's also known for not being a like, even though he's only five foot eleven, not being particularly, you know, like a soft forward who's not really going to engage in board battles he's actually like regarded for his two-way play as well so and, and like you said shang is going to be heading to the ncaa so any thoughts about uh, macklin as we uh, move down the list here
0: uh well um i think uh, in general i've checked with a couple of people and just talked about the, beyond uh, uh, celebrating just sort of what is the consensus you know uh uh, one two so far and I've read a few mocks and right now they have uh, Celebrini going number one number two is a uh, Cole Iserman um, mm-hmm. and then uh, there's a number three that we're going to talk about in a second uh, Ivan Demidov. but I want to uh, let you finish your thoughts about a uh, Celebrini and Iserman but anyway talking to a few yeah. people though definitely the uh, Celebrini and Iserman do belong on the top there but that other name I mentioned, uh, Demidov, I think, uh, has a lot of support too.
1: Yeah. And, uh, it's interesting because Macklin is, uh, a center, right. And mm-hmm. we know how much that NHL GMs love centers. So sure. he's kind of like, not just for his position, going to be probably number one, but, uh, it doesn't hurt. Right. And the other two guys that are two and maybe three that we'll talk about and Demidov are both wingers. Um, Iserman is is super interesting um, as a possible number two, or maybe a little bit later, depending on what happens. But um, Iserman is like a very gifted goal scorer. Um, He was almost a goal per game in the USHL. um, And he was actually over a goal per game when he played for the national team development program. He was 26 goals in 20 games, um, but had something like six or eight at the
0: same time. Um, Six or what? Eight what?
1: assists so oh
0: it's okay oh so it's 26 Cy Young goals. Yeah. yeah
1: exactly he's okay. a very gifted goal scorer but there's a lot of people that are questioning like is there anything beyond that or mm-hmm. how much of that part of his game is really going to translate as you move up this was like it's a pretty fame not it's a pretty common argument i'd say about these kind of players right when they're really gifted junior goal scorers how well are they going to translate as they move sure. up it's a reason why a player like Cole Caulfield and other Cole um, went down to I think 15th overall from Montreal. Um, not just his, you know, one-dimensional play, but he was also five foot seven or eight or mm-hmm. however big Cole Caulfield is. Um, so it's interesting to see what's going to happen with Irs. I mean, who who's a little bit bigger? He's five foot eleven, not that small, and super young. He, um, if you don't know the the draft cutoff date every year is September 15th so the closer you are on the before end of that date the younger you are in terms of your draft so he's august 29th is his birthday he's two weeks from being eligible for the next draft Mm. um so he's very very young and he is mostly a goal scorer right now so people are kind of wondering how much more to his game but did you get any uh feedback on eiserman from sources
0: uh, no, just that uh, he, you know, he is definitely a name in, in that group. Uh, moving on to the uh, mm-hmm. other uh, other guy right in there is uh, Demidoff. And uh, yeah. uh, Demidoff um, is uh, interesting for a number of reasons. Uh, obviously, there's that, you know, the Russian factor. He actually plays with Michkov. Uh, in, in, in the KHL. Uh, but Demidoff is considered a, diff, a different player, though, from what I've understood for talking to people, that he's a more of a, a two-way kind of player. And also, too, at least right now, you know, um, I think the things with Michkov, things about his character, things like that, that maybe... They weren't so apparent, or they weren't talked about as much a year out of the draft. Um, so who knows what's going to happen with Demidov? Uh, if he's going to be demonized? Huh? Get it? Get it? Uh, uh, but uh...
1: <laughs> pretty good. This is but decent. Any... I give it like a C plus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um, speaking with a source today, though, um, Russian source that I trust. Uh, he is considered a uh, kind of a, just right now, just a great guy, great teammates so and none of the same kind of question marks that maybe uh, Michkov had. So uh, the way that, 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 that my source put it, um, he actually might take Demidov over Michkov, Like he just had to choose one, one or the other, you know, uh, Michkov does have a higher offensive ceiling, but um, Demidov is again, you know, more of a two way type, you know, uh, more of a guy that can, can uh can lead you uh, in in different ways. And so I think that that he is very much a guy and at least in terms of talent same with Michkov, that he might really be in a conversation for 2 or one, even 1 in this draft. Just based on uh, just based on pure talent, and again, this is right now. This is a year away from the draft, so mm-hmm. this may not sure. hold true after the season. But right now, though, he is uh, is uh, really uh, 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 belongs in this discussion. And of course, like Mitychov, uh, what someone told me was uh, if he had American or Canadian passport, he'd be <laughs> we'd be, yep. he'd be talking about Celebrini, Iserman, Demidov, in, in whatever order. Uh, but, you know, the mocks I've seen right now seem to have Demidov more as a number three, but um, he doesn't seem to have quite the red flags of, of of Amichkov. So that that might help him. We'll see. Obviously, yep. he still is, you know, playing playing in Russia. Um, so also, too, I, I learned uh, this interesting thing about uh, Demidov's uh, contract. Um, so it does expire at the end of the 2024-25 season which sounds mm-hmm. great because that's uh, of course, that was part of the problem with, with Michkov, that teams would have to wait three years. They have, they'll have to wait until after the 25-26 season to, yep. to get their hands on, on Michkov. So it sounds like you you could get a Demidov uh, faster, but uh, my source suggested to me that he believes that Demidov will sign on for two more years, which again, that is just uh, one source saying it. That's not, you know, that's not yeah, like, I, mean, uh, uh, I, I know this for a fact that he's going to do that, but if Demidov does do that, that obviously could lower his his uh, his draft stock because that obviously means that he's uh, instead of being two years away from NHL, he's now forty years away from NHL. So so that that might be uh, um, you know teams may, may may not may not be may not may not like that. Um, but um, anyway, that's just that's just uh, a one bit of interesting insight that I heard. And also too, I'm gonna uh, add one more thing about since we're talking about uh, uh, Russians and Demidov. Mm-hmm. Uh, my source gave a thumbs up to the Sharks' hiring of Igor Aranko uh, oh, cool. as their Russian area scout. Says that he has good reputation in Russia, uh, seen as an honest guy. You know, a, a good evaluator of of talent. And so, just wanted to to pass that uh, pass that along.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, Demidov is, is super interesting because he. You're right. It was the story of the draft for last year it was all about Mchedov. Not all about it. Bedard obviously was, you know, Bedard, but it it was. There is no Bedard
0: in this draft though, right? There is no like. I don't think so. I mean,
1: you're, you're, you're getting into the, like, you know, picking out small little details, but I think Bedard is still regarded as a higher end prospect than somebody like Celebrini and Celebrini would be the the closest one. So, you know, they're really good. Eisenman, Celebrini, Demidov all seem like, a very strong top three for a forward group uh, at the top of the draft. I wouldn't say that it's better than last year, especially with the the weirdness about Mchedkov, who I still think is is a top three talent from last year's draft too, and went number seven. So I think um, about Demidov. I watched him a lot because I watched Michkov a lot, and uh, Michkov and Demidov are kind of playing some preseason games in Russia right now, which were fun to check out. Um Michkov's actually playing center, which is weird. Uh, they're just trying him out. Uh, to see how he does and he's playing with Demidov on his wing a lot of times. They really feed off of each other super well. Super mm-hmm. skilled players. Mishkov is a better shooter than Demidov, but Demidov still has a good looking shot and then Demidov's more of like a creative um playmaker type that is again has that like dynamic skill that like just pops off that you you notice and you say how in the hell did he do that kind of thing. Um Pretty frequently. So I would say it's tough to choose between the two of who I would take. I would still lead Mitchkoff, but I think, you know, as we move forward, Demidov might get, you know, even more fanfare than Mitchkoff, especially if he doesn't sign that two-year extension.
0: My my source, uh uh, he uh uh offered this and this is a very like uh um you know like the shilling of these guys, you know. But sure. you know, uh who would you prefer? Uh Kucherov, which is you know, the obvious Michikov comparison that's been out there for a while, or uh, Datsuk, but a winger, <laughs> which is what uh, what, yeah. what what what, what, my, uh, what my source suggested about Demidov. He really likes Demidov, and so just yeah. uh, I guess uh, I would just say to everybody that don't don't sleep on Demidov. He doesn't seem to Honestly. have. A- yeah, quite as many question marks with Michkov, except for uh, the the contracting, uh, and so maybe you know, maybe maybe Demidov might go higher. And now the Sharks have a scout right there who can watch uh, live every single Demidov game if he chooses to.
1: Yeah, he certainly is, um, or he would definitely be either number one or or probably number one in the Sharks prospect system if they got him. Um, yeah. So you know, and we're going to talk about that in, in just a little bit about where would our most recent draft pick, uh, will Smith kind of slot in around, around these guys, or maybe could yeah. be, again, in our all too this, early prediction, way yeah. early, ultra early. <laughs> um, but where could he kind of slot around here? Um, but anyways, yeah, I really do love Demidov. I think you're right. He does have a little bit more of a 200 foot game than Mitch Koff does. Um, and, and, you know, character concerns aside, it's always hard to, to see those kind of things. Um, when you don't really have a lot of contact with a guy. Uh, but Demidov seems like a great, you know, great kid. So would not be uh, opposed to the Sharks drafting. him hopefully the Sharks aren't either if they're in that position. But. The other um, thing about it, uh, like we mentioned, there's the, the theme that um, Macklin Celebrini is kind of the only big center that by big, I mean, big time center. Mm-hmm. That's kind of available at the top of this draft. It seems like there's a few other forwards that are mostly wingers. Um, that could be considered in the top 10, guys like um, Maxim Massey, Tanner Howe, Consta Hellenius, all of which are, um, you know, Consta Hellenius plays in Finland. He's more of a power winger type. Occasionally, he'll play center. Um, Tanner Howe played with Bedard and put up absurd numbers, as one might expect, um, playing with Bedard. <laughs> yeah, you better, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and Maxim Massey uh, put up really good numbers in the QMJHL. A bigger winger who's got some slower feet and a good shot. Um, But there's not a lot of centers. So what there is a lot of this year um, is high-end defensemen uh, in this draft. and In 2023, it's always been, or 2024, Mm -hmm. it's been kind of regarded as the defenseman draft for a couple of years. Um, uh, Basically highlighted by a couple of guys. Um, First one to note is uh, Aaron Kiviharyuk. Uh, who is a smaller Finnish defenseman who's been uh, well-regarded because he's an amazing skater, um, offensively gifted puck-moving defenseman who's been playing um, against men for many years and against uh, men on the uh, Finnish uh, national team for a couple of years as well, always kind of playing a level up. And he's like this guy that's always been regarded in the top five for this draft or maybe Mm -hmm. even like top three, four but he might see his name drop down a little bit more as other players come up, which we kind of see every year. So Haryu is one guy to um, know about because he's a guy that's been kind of talked about for many years um, as a top defenseman in this draft, but he's kind of been a little bit supplanted by a few other names, um, notably um, a Belarusian um, defenseman who's playing um, in the USHL, Artem Levshunov, who is very interesting. He's a 6 foot 2, 6 foot 3 um offensive uh right-handed shot defenseman which you know, NHL GMs love 6 yep. foot 2, 6 foot 3 right-handed shot offensive defenseman. That's <laughs> kind he's of He's going like... to
0: Michigan State, right? I-, I think I saw that.
1: Yep, so he's going to Michigan State. So he played in the USHL last year, put up great numbers for a defenseman. He looked fantastic. Um he is more offensive minded and he's not like totally rounded out his game defensively but he is physical and he does you know he gets in good position defensively already and he doesn't really cheat for his offense that much there's a few names that we'll talk about in a minute that are very like cheat for your offense gonna rush up the play every time he's he's very smart with how he jumps into play and he has an excellent point shot he reminds me and this is again because we're a year out he reminds me of brent burns (laughs) and i'm like i don't want to say it's gonna become brent burns but like that kind of style you know Maybe needs to round a defensive game to even get to Burns' level. But, you know, that kind of right-handed shot offensive guy that likes to jump up into the play, good point shot, Minds me of Burns. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of moved up a little bit. There's a, a few other um, defensemen I want to talk about. Um, two brothers of prior draft picks, which is always fun. Uh, Cole Hudson who is brother of Montreal's 2022 draft pick Lane Hudson. If you haven't heard of him, he is fantastic. He's a defensive phenom um, who put up, you know, 1.5 points per game in his freshman year as a defenseman, which is nuts, almost something that's never been done before, um, but also very small. Uh, Cole Hudson, who is his brother, just as small, um, but it may be a little bit better of a skater. Actually put up better, you know, points per game than Lane did in the same year uh, last year. And then Adam Juracek, who, if you remember, is the brother of David Juracek, who was a top five draft pick from 2022. He's also in this draft.
0: Um, does similar... uh, Cole uh, Cole Hudson does he does he seem like a guy that could go and? Because Lane went in the second round, of course. And so does yep. Cole seem like a guy that can go higher or like go to go in the top ten?
1: I honestly think, and this is just my prediction, is that the Lane Hudson, like, you know, being like a could be a Hobie Baker candidate um, Mm -hmm. in his freshman year, kind of paved the way for players like Cole Hudson to maybe get picked a little bit higher. So I think if Cole Hudson follows the trajectory, which again, he's outscoring his brother at the same age, um, if he continues that trajectory, I think he'd be a first-round pick instead of like a second, like Cole Mm -hmm. was, or like Lane was. Too many Hudsons in this building. Okay, but, but we're probably
0: not talking uh, for the Sharks if the Sharks end up with the top five pick, uh,
1: maybe for their second
0: first round yeah. pick. Okay, but sure. you never know.
1: Okay. Uh, but you're right; he is just as small, and there's a bunch of guys in this list that might go above him. Hmm. Um, okay. Just interesting in the in the context of him also being a brother of a 2022 sure. pick, like Adam Urechuk. Um, Adam Iurecek probably is going to go ahead of Cole Hudson just because he's. Um, you know, bigger, good skater. Um, He's kind of like his brother, but I'd say maybe a touch less offensively gifted than his brother, Um, but uh, is a better skater. So, because that was always the knock on on David Yerchek was his his skating before the draft. So, a few other guys um, to mention here on the defense. Uh, Zane Parikh is an interesting one. Um, He scored 21 goals as a, 16 year old defenseman in the ohl which is good
0: <laughs> Ryan uh, Merkley he, numbers
1: <laughs> yeah he's he's kind of the guy that gives me a little bit of maybe Merkley vibes or maybe like ty nelson if you, anybody remembers his name from a few years ago that seattle drafted um oh,
0: vaguely yeah was he islanders or
1: uh ty nelson was a seattle draft pick um oh, oh okay yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: i thought you'd be on thunderbirds okay gotcha
1: okay yeah sorry about that oh yeah, he was a uh but Parekh uh, is, or Parekh, I can't ever say if that's correct or which one is correct, but um, he uh, definitely has a little bit of a gonna cheat for my offense kind of thing. At least he did last year. You know, things can change, and he's a competitive guy. That was always a knock on Merkley, too, was that he wasn't competitive enough. Um, and Parik definitely is. It's just he does, you know, cheat for his offense. You can't really deny it. Um, the prototypical, going to be drafted high because he's a 200-foot, left-handed solid as a rock defensively decent offensive defenseman is sam dickinson um he uh you know ideal size great skater i'm a good skater and seems to be the guy that's going to be picked high because he kind of fits that mold of an nhl defenseman that that um teams kind of love kind of like a better all-over bonk from this past Mm -hmm. draft who was drafted pretty high i think in the 20s um sam dickinson's probably going to be like top 15 top 10 um just because of the way people see him but that's a you know still too early um but like i said this draft is like defenseman loaded Um,
0: it's really interesting though because you you mentioned that this is a more defense uh it's a better defensive draft and it sounds like it but then still though right now though the i would say the consensus top three is still forwards which is yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it was just funny. Yeah, yeah. I guess the big question that we'll try to answer is, obviously, will Celebrini, Eiserman, and Demidov kind of maintain their, their status or improve it? But also, too, if any of the defensemen here can break into this sort of, quote-unquote, you know, top three.
1: Yeah, I would say the biggest ones would be somebody like Lev Shunov, just because <laughs> I think he f- checks all the boxes that uh, NHL teams are looking for and uh he fits every single mold i think he would be the guy to kind of challenge in that top three and i think the one guy that might fall out of it if i had to guess all guessing would be Iserman,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: only because i think his or, or demidov obviously if you know his contract thing comes into sure. play but uh, i think Iserman's game isn't as well-rounded as, as some sure. would like in the top three even if he is a fantastic goal scorer okay so but yeah, there's a few other names: uh, Carter Yakimchuk, Henry Muse, Zeev Buyam All have been regarded as probable first-round picks for this year. Um, Some were probably in the 12 to 15 range of uh, picks of the first round are going to be defensemen, which is a lot uh, <clears> for <throat> a, for a draft.
0: So right, right, right. Just something
1: to, a few names to look out for for next year. Right.
0: Right so yeah maybe uh the sharks if they end up with a, a top top pick get it forward one of the one of the three that that we've mentioned here or somebody else and then uh with their second uh first round pick uh, replace uh, eric carlson with a, another defenseman so
1: <laughs> yeah i think um there's definitely a possibility that the in the teens you know you could get mm-hmm. a guy that becomes your number one or number two guy right. it's possible i All think right. there's enough Like talent there. Uh, One of these dudes is going to pop off and be uh, a top pairing defenseman. And then a few guys that are going to be top 10 are probable top line defensemen. So I'm not rooting,
0: I'm not rooting against Eric Carlson uh, for sure. But obviously, for Sharks fans, it would be awesome if uh, he. He has a very similar season to last year. He drops a hundred points and
1: (laughs) we want it to be, they want penguins to get 11th and then lose the lottery. And then we're, I think we're set. I think that's the best um, that we can hope for um, from that year. Um, And then obviously that New Jersey kills it and, Go ahead, win a Stanley Cup. Sure, team sure, sure. I don't care. They just need to make the conference finals.
0: <laughs> they don't even need to win a Stanley Cup, so I you know. don't have to cheer for them that much. But just yeah, they yep. just send me to the conference finals, and suddenly uh, you've got uh, uh, the number one pick in Celebrini, the number eleven pick pick a defenseman, and mm, let's say 32, the number gonna... number thirty two pick, and yeah, uh, pick uh, Cole Hudson. So
1: yeah, right. Then you've got your <laughs> you've got your high upside swing. You've got your number one center and your top line defenseman. Amazing. Um, okay. But again, we're dreaming. I think at this point.
0: Yeah, um, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Shane.
0: I just wanted to, uh, yeah, but we, we thought that it would be instructive, uh, right? You know, training camps around the corner. Once training camp starts, we'll be kind of focused on that and the season. Uh, but you know, uh, I think it was good to kind of run through some of these names. Uh, good for me, you know, because I haven't looked too hard at it yet, and so now, uh, now I know uh, some of uh, some of these names. So,
1: yeah, there's going to be also a bunch of dudes that are going to come up from nowhere. From sure, um, either you know canada or sweden has been kind of i won't say lagging in this year's class but it's always been kind of like a regarded as a down year for sweden mm-hmm. um there is a um a zetterland and a zetterberg in this class neither nice. of which are related <laughs> to the the two that you know of so no nope. um, <laughs> okay um, but uh, zetterland might be the guy that is regarded as the highest and he's you know tiny i think he's like five foot nine mm. so it's not really been regarded as a high class for sweden Finland has a few guys that are up front, like Kiviharyu and Hellenius. Um, and then it's mostly been um, Canada and America. And then some uh, Demidov, obviously. How did the uh. goalies look? I have not looked into the goalies
0: at all. Okay. <laughs> so, just just like the sharks for the last five years, so <laughs>
1: yeah, they'll find a. Yeah, I um, I really don't know. I gotta, I'm just I gotta, joking.
0: I'm just joking. I know that I know the sharks have tried to find a goalie. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: No, it's um something that also kind of develops through the year is a goaltender who sticks out. Obviously, sure. dudes sure. like Wallstad and stuff kind of come up for many years. Um, but but uh, I think the last question that we should try to answer is where Smith will Smith, the Sharks number four overall pick from last year would kind of fit into this, this draft. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's an interesting question. Um, I think he would still, if I had to guess go fourth.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You think so? Wow. Okay. So so. you think, you think, uh, uh, this group of Celebrini and, uh, Iserman are kind of like, Fantilli, I don't, I like there's no, there's go, no Bedard, but it's kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, they're sort of the, the, uh, you know, Fantilli, Leo Carlson, uh, uh tier. And then Will Smith is so. just slightly below,
1: but I will say, I don't think it would be above Iserman. I think that Will Smith probably would go above Iserman in my oh, opinion. So,
0: so then he might go three Oh, then who who I think
1: I think somebody jumps in. I think it's oh, like, like, like a defenseman or something like that, yeah, right? I got exactly. it. I think you. somebody else jumps in above it or throughout the year cuz Okay. Uh, I really have a lot of faith in Love Shootoff from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. But no, I think it's good. Uh, Sharks <laughs> fans are going to get super pumped on Twitter about Macklin hey, hey, for the next 10 You months. know,
0: what what what's to be excited uh, excited about this year for Sharks fans, right? The, the 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 pick the the pick they they get in the lottery and what they can trade some of these guys offer the trade deadline, right? That's, uh, you know, uh, most likely. So
1: I think, yeah, it's that, um, Eklund having a good year. Will Smith right. having a good year in, in college. Um, sure. I think that's all we have to hope for, for the next year, <laughs> for the next year or so. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's, um, going to do it for this wrap up. I mean, we'll, continue with a lot of the 2024 talk as we go through the next year i'll just kind of like drop little snippets about guys that i'm watching um but uh yeah i think this is a good overview for now so
0: enjoy jason damaris guys it's a great great interview
1: yeah, shorter episode this week, but the Demers interview—you um, should listen to the entire thing because it's fantastic. And don't forget to subscribe to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast on YouTube. Yes,
0: thank you. We yeah, never, please. we
1: ever plug it, but yes, yeah, subscribe. <laughs> if you're listening and you haven't subscribed, you should do so now.
0: Anyways. We're trying to grind our way to one thousand, so we have—we're uh, up to six hundred. So yeah, we're we're getting there.
1: Yeah, I think we've uh, doubled our our subscriber count since we started.
0: Uh, I haven't mentioned it yet, but I'll just throw this tease out. I have some really cool giveaway items. Uh, well, you know uh, uh when we get to uh 1000 and maybe even 750 so uh, i'll share that a little later but i have some very very cool giveaway items uh to uh to uh, to to uh to giveaway uh yeah uh, and i'll announce those later
1: yeah if anybody wants me to sign a puck i will sign a puck for you
0: <laughs> okay. that's not one of the giveaways
1: no i know i'm just <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh, have a good week everybody
0: Jason Demers is a Sharks fan favorite. Drafted in the seventh round in 2008 as a 20-year-old overager, Daddy became an NHL regular in just two seasons and was a big part of some really good Sharks teams like the 2010 and 2011 Western Conference finalist teams. In 2014, Demers was traded to the Dallas Stars for Brendan Dillon, and he's also played with Florida and Arizona and Edmonton. His career came to a full circle last season. The Damaris played one NHL game last year, but it was his 700th game, and it was at SAP Center against the Sharks. We've got Jason on today to tell some Shark stories and also to ask him what his next step is. Welcome, Jason.
2: Yeah, it's, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh,
1: Jason, let's, uh, I guess, start off with um, the most basic question. Um, training camp's coming up. What's uh, what's next for you? Are you hoping to hook up with an NHL team on like a PTO or an AHL deal, or, or what's what's the next step? Do you think?
2: Uh, no, I mean I'm pretty much uh, I think I'm either right on the edge of retirement or retired. Um, I uh, I'm probably going in a week to do some. We it's funny we were talking about TV before, so. I'm going to go try to do some TV with um, NHL network and if that works out, that works out great. And then also uh, I've been talking a lot with NBC with San Jose. So potentially doing some stuff. Oh,
0: holy. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah.
2: So I, uh, it's kind of come to, I, I got the teeth slowly getting fixed. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not not gapped in the middle and I've, uh, I've never had to worry so much about my appearance thinking about doing TV, but Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much, uh, all retired. So unless, uh, you know, I always try to leave like a Tom Brady (laughs) here going on. So if I decide in a week that I have the need to play, I mean, I always say most athletes are 95% out and 5%, there's always that little sliver you keep open, but yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, right now I haven't really been looking for anything or, or just been kind of figuring out what's the next steps.
1: Well, so that's are we a, breaking
2: uh, the uh, the yeah. news of you're announcing your retirement? Or are we just going to, again, 95% there? Okay. 95.5. I, I guess when I'm on an NHL network, I might fully do it. But, I mean, it, it's one of those things where it's like, every, if you listen to this, you'll be like, yeah, he's retired. It's, it's really. But, I mean, you never know. You might just see me at a rink somewhere just skating by myself in two months' time. <laughs> <laughs> Make but once company. you get that sweet tv money then
0: then then you're out so. yeah, exactly right yeah <laughs> i'm waiting for that interview to pan out <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's awesome with the mbc sharks because actually uh, i'm on the pregame show so uh um, yeah. yeah i'll i'll <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I'm that'd hoping, be awesome
2: yeah uh, we it's kind of been some like light talks uh, sure. with people over there and, and i'm kind of waiting to see what happens with the nhl network but i also you know i i keep all my options open and, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm very much a busybody, So I'm going to need to, whether I'm doing both or, or one or, or a million other things, I, uh, I'll be able to handle it. So just kind of one of those things. I'm just kind of seeing how the schedule works out and, and, uh, figure out a way to kind of slot everything and make it fit like a puzzle.
0: Oh, nice! I like this. I like you, uh, uh playing NHL uh, angel network and NBC against each other. So, guys, listen up. You got to pay up, Jason. All right. So, there's two networks uh, buying
2: for our services right now. It's it's all love, <laughs> but it's at least I can at least I can badmouth the Sharks on NHL Network and then, <laughs> and then then build them up when I'm on NBC. Right, so. right, right, right. Uh, if
0: if you do work with NBC, will you move back to San Jose? I mean, like you know, back and forth between Arizona and San Jose.
2: Probably. Yeah. Like yeah. We're, we're, me and my fiance are pretty well set in, in Arizona and we love it here. And, and we're also, you know, we, she has a place in New York and so we're kind of, uh, we kind of do a little bit of both back mm. and forth and, and we don't mind the travel. So for right now, so it's kind of like a perfect, perfect time and, and it could, it could fit well and work well for us. So.
0: All right, awesome. Well, let's uh, go back to uh, when the Sharks drafted you, and you were, uh, you know, overager, like I mentioned, and you weren't necessarily expecting to be drafted based on what I've read from back then. But it was in that season, your 20 year old season, where you really blossomed. You went from 24 points to 64. And there's a great story that I read about your dad actually that he got so excited in the fifth round, the fifth round of the 2008 draft, uh, when he heard that the Sharks had drafted the Mares. But it actually ended up being the announcement of the Sharks drafting julian demers in the fifth round of that draft but anyway i wanted to ask you though uh which shark scout advocated for you because you know that's so important in the later rounds right to have somebody banging the table for you
2: yeah i mean i heard through the grapevine uh jill cote was Mm. somebody that was very much in my corner and uh he's a great man um um, i loved talking with him and he always was an an avid supporter of mine and Mm -hmm and it was a funny story I mean we had no we kind of had some thoughts if I go back you know because now that's that's a while ago but uh, we were talking to the Rangers it called and the Predators it called and kind of the consensus was all like if something happens it's in the seventh round so I wasn't really banking too much on it and then like you said we're you know with the old school HP computer or whatever and my dad was just refreshing the draft <laughs> but, and all you saw was the first initial, the first name and then the last name. So he's, he's just clicking it and we're watching for a friend of mine, uh, Drew Paris. that was, that was going to get, sure. drafted. well, and, uh, he clicks it and it goes, Jay Demers. And he, he literally <laughs> fell out of his chair. He's screaming and I don't know, I was, Oh my God. And, and then I think we were listening to the radio version of it. Cause it was like on a delay and, and he hear Julian Demers and, um, we were like, well, what the hell? Like, is it a typo? Who is that? <laughs> yeah, is this the <laughs> wrong name? It was, it was uh, Julian, who's, you know, a great guy. And um, And then literally we got the call probably like 30 minutes later that come the seventh round, it was going to be us. And so it's kind of and then we found out like New York, if San Jose had drafted me, New York was going to draft me two picks later. And oh, then nice. them, Nashville. So it's like mm-hmm. a whole weird thing. Um, was was that the Rangers or the Islanders? The Rangers. Oh, nice. Okay. So it's just a cool kind of like, you know, it's a funny story. And I, you know, happening when you're 20, you're not really banking too much on it. Uh, Most guys typically get drafted 18. And it's I don't know the number on people get drafted at 20. But um, it, uh, it was it makes for a good story. So for me, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. All right,
0: well, I have some breaking news to announce too, actually. If you guys saw the background move in the in the background, it's two forty PM here. There was just an earthquake here in LA. So if you guys see uh something a really? uh, 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 crash on my head, oh, wow. uh then you know, uh, yeah, carry on, guys. All right. So like a big <laughs> one or, or one? what? <laughs> I don't Do know how big it was. I just got of learned my phone. I started shaking though. Yeah. So there's a tropical storm here today in, in LA and uh earthquake just hit, so Oh
2: my gosh! Jeez, we're spo- we were supposed to get some of that rain. That's hitting you guys in Arizona. Oh. We need it right now. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right, it's been like 110 out there for you guys. Oh, we're right? bo- we're bone dry <laughs> here. We are bone dry. But anyway, so the show must go on, though. So I wanted yeah, to ask you, Jason. you need to, you know, step yeah. off, we can. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's okay. I, I you know, yeah. the, the the roof is still on top of me. If you guys see anything uh uh, uh swinging or falling behind me, let me know. <laughs> <Okay>. All,
2: all <laughs> in the all in the name of journalism, eh? Exactly this right. That's a,
0: exactly. Right, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> This well, is what,
0: what's expected out of you at Angel Network, all right? So anything, I, anywhere. <laughs>
2: exactly. You're really making, you set the bar high for me now. i like, okay. <laughs>
0: this guy's interviewing
2: through an earthquake. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so wanted to ask you, what kind of, uh, do you remember the draft questions that you got from the Sharks? Because they had a reputation back then for tough questions. You know, Tim Burke is an old school guy. I've heard stories of them like shining a light in, in, in a, in a, prospects face when they're interviewing you so i don't know if you got any any of that
2: i got zero inter- interview interview oh. <laughs> and i got zero phone calls it was all murmurs and like rumors that potentially oh and other than jill cote who kind of um i knew a little bit about him so mm-hmm. did he talk I, to you
0: at all, at all during your draft like, very little but mm-hmm.
2: like you know i think my father talked to them a little bit because he was what he'd watch me in victoriaville and stuff like that and But like when I say there is zero, you know, I was preparing to go, you know, potentially um, take university and go play in in McGill or Concordia Mm -hmm. or or, or kind of decide the road there. So I was just more watching for a friend and on the off chance, you know, something happened and then it kind of just like whirlwind. It was literally like drafted playing in the AHL that next year.
0: Well, it's a good thing that you were spared some of those old school tactics then i guess right i mean i got a lot i got a lot
2: from Berkey um in camps in the years sure. following um so yeah, yeah couldn't I escape know, it i know all of his antics and his shenanigans so yeah of- yeah do
0: you have any any good uh timber stories since we're on the topic then because i've heard different ones about just how he, he was he was the he was the bad cop in a good cop bad oh, cop yeah. i mean
2: i mean he was always good to me in the sense yeah. of uh he liked my kind of, you know, my attitude and all that. But he always had – he had some preconceived notions of the guys playing in the Quebec Junior Major League. And, and <laughs> he uh, wasn't afraid to let us know that it was – he thought it was the worst junior major league. and uh, um, Or major junior league, however you put yeah. it. I say junior major like Junior Major, like I'm French still. So uh, – <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he always liked to rag on the queue. And, uh, I mean, he was just always – camp would start and you have those first three four days and then um probably right around inner squad probably right around the like the teal the teal white games or the first exhibition game he'd just be running around the room and he or he'd come up to me and be like hey tomorrow's it's real bullets tomorrow like it's not fake bullets it's real bullets live ammunition so he just kind of try to scare you up a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> but no, he was always, and I always, I never minded him. I thought yeah. he was, uh, you may be misunderstood in some circles, but I think deep down, I just loved the game so much. Sure. And that's how he kind of showed it.
1: And let's go back to your, now that we're talking about it, your first couple of years with the sharks, um, you kind of joined a, a pretty veteran team that had made it to the conference finals and back to back years. Um, and then all of a sudden you're kind of playing big minutes. Back then, did it seem kind of easy, like you guys were going to contend for the cup every year? And then, secondary question: Was there anybody that kind of like helped your transition from juniors to the NHL? Because you you said you only spent like a year in the minors, um, and then was Brian Marchman a, a big part of that too?
2: A lot of questions. I mean, I mean, yeah, Marchment. Was, there was such a large group of people that helped me those first few years, and and I mean, listen, I I see, I was seeking it out as well, and, and trying to get as much as I could but I mean Mush was huge um you know David Conniff Roy Somers um they just were integral to like me growing up as a hockey player and and you know it goes all the way to the players that were in the AHL with me and you know Patrick Traverse and Kyle McLaren wow. down there so I got to learn a lot from those guys and you know even guys uh, on the spectrum of Ryan Vesey and and Jamie McGinn was, we were, we came up together, Logan. Um, we had such a good group down there. And then, you know, when I came up my first year, when I was uh, the year after my first year in the A, when I did a 55 games about, um, I mean, I had Rob Blake, Dan Boyle, uh, you know, Jumbo, Heatley, Marlowe. I mean, it just was like, you couldn't have asked for all in their prime as well. Like, you know, they're all 30 and uh, you couldn't have asked for kind of Ryan Klo, another one. I mean, it's just like Pavelski. It's like the list of guys that kind of helped me. It, I could just sit here all day and just name people that um, helped me. So I always hate missing, missing out on guys, but you know, they might not have known it, but you know, cause I came in as a, you know, a, a young guy that, you know, I always talk a lot and I'm always upbeat and I I obviously always knew I could uh, infringe on my rights as a rookie a little bit because I was so, uh, so outspoken. (laughs) Um, So I sure I annoyed the the crap out of a lot of them. Um, But, uh, you know, I was always watching them as well and and listening to everything they told me, even if it was uh, a lot of yelling and and telling me to to zip it. But, uh, but yeah, it was just, uh, and to your point, like you said, I, um, about make thinking it was easy. I mean, I never had any preconceived notions or, or was comfortable. For I mean, I don't even think for the 15 years I played professional hockey, I always was the kind of person that was trying to make it, and and I never thought I, I never thought I had a spot. But um, I mean, in terms of like playing on a very good hockey team and in and a, and a great organization to start, I mean. You know, I remember Trent Yanni was telling me after my second year, you know, just being like, you can't take those playoff runs for granted because you can go on a drought for 10 years. And there's guys that played a whole NHL career and they never got to the playoffs because it's that hard. Um, And then after that, I mean, we had a, I had a good run in Dallas, but from Florida to Arizona, I mean, I was in the playoffs once the rest of my career. So it's like, you really don't know. So it was like, but you get caught up in the like, you know, we're gonna live forever, and this is gonna. <laughs> yeah, and sharks
1: fans did too. Then we were always yeah. thinking, you know, this team's gonna be great forever, and now we're kind of yeah, well, on the back end of that.
2: <laughs> I know now you guys are kind of on the on the rebuild side and, and are in tough a little bit, but um, you know, I think it's it's gonna as long as it's done the right way, it'll come back. But I mean, it's it's incredible how long of a run um, they they went on and the, the sharps organization went on and, and without having to kind of rebuild, I mean, it's very close to the same as Detroit, you know, Detroit's going mm-hmm. through it now, they're trying to get out of it. They're probably, I think they went into that, you know, recession, sort of, so to speak before yeah. San Jose. And now they're kind of a couple years ahead, but it is, it's tough, man. It's tough. You need, everything needs to just fit perfectly. And you need all the pieces in place. And And it, I don't think, people realize the ones that are in good organizations how very hard it is to keep that culture and that and that winning uh, you know just that that winning mindset and also just having that luck like you need a little bit of luck with injuries you need luck with guys panning out and and you know you can leave so much to skill and and you know your drafting capabilities but people have to develop and you know it's it's developing is is a two-way street it's not just the player, it's the it's sorry, it's not just the organization, it's the player as well. He's gotta buy in. So and you gotta bring the right people that buy in. So and they've just consistently did it for so long that it's like crazy to see them now. You know, I played in the ahl last year for most of the season and played against San Jose the Barracuda and and I mean it they did struggle last year. Like there's no way around it. And it was just tough it was weird to see because you're so used to them being so good in every aspect and competitive and, and even when i played in the ahl like we had a good team my two years i was there and then you know we made the playoffs and won a couple rounds so it's just uh it's always different to see but um you know they'll make it back Grizzly will get them on the right path and, and they'll be uh i'd really be laughing in no time
0: well <laughs> i want to mention uh, that uh you can say the word shit on here, Jason. You're not. I can. Okay. Yes, absolutely. You uh, can. Thumbs uh, up. I, I got claws. <laughs> but
2: it's not NBC um, yet. Yeah.
0: yeah. Exactly. So oh, I, speak- I
2: got my I got my shit hair right now disheveled. So like <laughs> <unique> language. <laughs> the language 100. I can't just be throwing everything to the wind here.
0: <laughs> but uh, you mentioned about the the talking a lot. You know, coming in uh, uh, like that uh, as a rookie, and you mentioned in other interviews that in your early days with the shark stat. Uh, maybe uh, there's a perception uh, that that you took things a little lightly in the room. Of course, not that you didn't take it seriously, but, you know, you're a young player in a very veteran, veteran room that is aiming to win a Stanley Cup. So maybe you had to learn a little bit about how to carry yourself in this kind of veteran room. So anyway, uh, what's an example of uh, maybe uh, how you acted uh, early on and then a veteran that kind of let you know, you know, how to kind of handle, handle yourself differently?
2: Well, to be honest, like, you know, the the older I got, I – it very much was a coping mechanism for how nervous I was. Sure. And, you know, I had tons of anxiety throughout my whole NHL career. Like I, you know, like I was saying before, I never felt comfortable a year in my career ever. I never thought every time I came into a season, I felt like I had to make a team again and, and prove myself. Even when I had my five-year contract with Florida and, and, I was never in a, I never felt like I was in a cool spot. So for me, it was very much coming to the rink was very nerve wracking every day. And, and, you know, I wanted to make it and I wanted to stay. So like to me, not speaking and sitting there, like in my, in my head would be just going crazy. So I would have to get that out. And for me it was the, cause if I go on the ice like that, I, I couldn't play and I would be just so stiff. So I literally, the way I had to cope with it was just, being this over the top cartoonish character. And and like I said, the perception of it, it was always very tough because it was such a, there's such a duality with that of being so, you know, happy and go lucky as people think, you know, eventually people are like, well, does, is this authentic? And does he care about hockey and this and that, but it was so such the opposite of like, I cared so much that it was like too much for me to handle. Yeah. So I had to yeah. kind of, get out and, and, and yell. And I was always screaming and, and trying to have fun because to me it was just tough to sit and be still. And, and, and uh, especially if like I had a bad practice or a bad game. And, and back then when I started, like if that probably was not the best, it would probably have been better if I'd have flipped my career and started with Arizona <laughs> and ended in San Jose with a good team because, um, when you're there and you come in and you're 20, 21 and, you know, you get Joe Thornton and those guys sitting across from you and, you know, you're getting on the ice with them and you're not having a good game and you're somebody that is trying to stay on a team, make a team and, and that mindset of, of staying in the present moment is very hard. And, and those guys are, listen, they they were up super hard on me and I, I'm glad they were because, you know, I might not have made it as long as I did and grown without having those guys there. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it was a, it was a killer be killed kind of locker room and, and bench during games for those years. And I mean, that's what held the pedigree so high is, is those guys were kept everybody so accountable, like, mm-hmm. you know, not just the young guys themselves too. So it was very, uh, it, it was a great room to be in. And, uh, now that I'm, um, you know, hanging them up, but it was a, uh, it was, it wasn't an easy one. That's for sure. And, and, um, you know, nowadays you, you know, see a lot of teams that go on these losing streaks and, you know, I was a a part of a couple of them in in Arizona and and Florida, but I mean, back then it was like to lose two games in a row was like, it was Armageddon in the locker room. (laughs) You can say boo, like walking in the room. It was like business and, for me it was tough because i'd come in nervous He'd, he i'd have to be like serious yeah and you joke around and you know i get i got yelled at a ton but i got pulled into todd McClellan's office i don't know how many times <laughs> and uh because he thought i you know was unprofessional or, or this and that because i was laughing but to me it was how i coped with the the nerves sure so but you just can't articulate that at 21 you're just you know you're yes sir and you're you know you kind of get a little bit angry with being told that you're not professional all the time but that's kind of what happened with the perception so but it was uh like I said if if I was a straight lace sat back and and you know had the mean mug face on all the time I don't know how well I would have done for 15 years I probably would have I probably would have imploded at one
0: point. (laughs) (laughs) You you told this uh, great story a couple of years, actually speaking of Jumbo and sort of how hard it could be in a room for a young guy that, you know, you were struggling in a game. You didn't have a good game and he didn't let you join the team dinner after the game. told you to go back to the hotel (laughs) and he told you can't be a young guy trying to make it into the league and play like that. But then though, you know, the other side of Joe, he went to the room later and you know, he talked with you for a couple of hours. Just was that sort of the another kind of duality there that, you know, there's so many expectations, but you know, Jumbo, you know, a big-hearted guy, of course.
2: I mean, yeah, I love that guy like you, there's not enough. There's so many good things to say about that human being and and um, you know, the things that would piss me off about him. I mean, the great things you could tell to his face, but I mean, yeah, that it was weird I was playing so you like don't really want to tell the full you know like we kind of all went out and had drinks the night before <laughs> and because okay. back then you know you know it's weird to be saying like back in my day but you know 10 12 years ago guys went and had drinks before a game like that doesn't really happen at all anymore I mean it's a lot the number is very small the night uh, before, the
0: night before, right? Not, not, before. not right before the game. <laughs> no, not right before the game. Probably. No,
2: no. But the night before, like, you, you'd, you'd go up for dinner and you'd mm-hmm. have a couple bottles of wine and you'd sometimes be a little bit tipsy sure. going to bed. And, and we kind of had one of those nights in Florida. And when you're kind of playing on the West and you don't go to Florida that much, you go once a year. And back then it was once every two years because you'd flip. Sure. So, mm-hmm it was like, you know, it, it was like Mardi Gras for guys, you know, just to be able to go out and have dinner. You're going from San Jose to, you, cause you don't really see Florida that much. So, you know, we would go out and have a couple of drinks drinks tonight before the game and you'd play and uh, you know, Florida at that time wasn't really good. So they're kind of like, you know, middle of the pack. So we you were, get
0: away with it. Maybe that's what I mean. It's, you know, when you're, when
2: you're, no one talks about that in the league, but like, From like looking at it when you're out of the game is like a betting perspective, like if I was a gambler or or whatnot, these top teams and they go play, if you look January to March and you'll see like Arizona, like Arizona or last place team, they'll, they'll win a game and you'll be like, how the hell did they win that game? Right. (laughs) Like there's no earthly possibility that they should be yeah This game, Colorado or yeah, whoever. Yeah. yeah I guess yeah. and you just have to look at they've either had a rookie party two nights before or they had a, a <laughs> they had a night out and there's a concert in town and, and mm-hmm. they the guys just kind of go you kind of wait you risk it you know you kind of go well do you think we're gonna win or do you think we're gonna like it'll be a tough game and you're like no we'll beat them so <laughs> that's kind of how it was back then a little yeah. you know, here and there and you know, it's such a long season and and I mean, nowadays, you know, credit to these, a lot of the new generation. I mean, it's more turned into kind of playing video games and, and staying in and not so much the socializing aspect of sure. it. Um I think they still stay up as late as we did, but it's just, it was just different strokes. But it, it is wild to, it's such a long season and you have to blow off some steam. You sure. Not because... And all the best teams will tell you that that's the way it was. And, and I mean, I think it still is on a lot of these good teams. You know, you, you have to find a way to get away from hockey a little bit because, it, you know, you'll go crazy just staring at it with anything in life. You know, you need a little bit of, of, of change every now and again. Do
0: you have an opinion about when and why that shift happened? Like, was that because of maybe, you know, social media? And so you're out the night before the game someone's gonna take a picture of you you know oh, yeah, I mean, or, or it's just the younger players and there's kind of maybe more focus on you know
2: well it's so many things but you know social media is one of them like mm-hmm. listen you can't you half the things that were done when you're or before phones came out i think anybody could say that was in that generation so you would have gotten in trouble in one way or another doing something especially if you're in, on the professional side of things like you don't want to be seen like, I mean, these athletes can't do much anymore, especially the famous ones. You know, San Jose wasn't really the fans loved the Sharks, but it wasn't like you could be out night before the game and a sure. fan would come to you. like they'd probably want to sit down and drink with you mm-hmm. and then tell their friends that they drank with, you know, Jason and Merz, which I mean, it happened a couple of times. And then you'd you'd go out and play the next night, and they'd be they'd be at the they'd be at the game. So you kind of be. <laughs> but uh, I just think there's just been a huge push for nutrition, and and there's so much information on on nutrition and and you know the negative effects of a lot of these different lifestyles that were apparent back then, and and I think guys are just more conscious of it, and teams are as well. Mm. Like there wasn't a there was a nutritionist when I started, but you know it was. It wasn't as comprehensive as it is now. Mm-hmm. These kids have such a, such a lot, so much more to, to pick from in terms of how to get their bodies ready. So you just see it, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, it's a different game now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not so much guys that are, you know, big, burly, strong sure. guys that lean on you that are, you know, meat and potatoes. It's more the uh it's more the vegans, very smooth and nimble. <laughs> it's just a lot of guys that are, you know, it's more yoga and it's it's yeah. more it's more longevity and, and and these guys just move so well. Everybody's so so flexible and they take care of their body. So I mean it's just it's it's just the natural shift, I think, in and anything, just because there wasn't any information 15, 20 years ago about nutrition like there is now. It's just mm. a, it's just so much more than than there was back then. So
0: sure, sure, sure. And you know, going back to those first couple of years, I wonder uh, which uh, conference finals loss felt like closer that you guys were more into series. You know, there's, uh, I think uh, 2010 Blackhawks and 2011 Canucks. You know, did they just seem like better teams, or you know, was there something missing from the Sharks? You know, between you guys in that final step, or was it just some bounces and that sort of thing? You know
2: both those both those seasons um i feel like if we hadn't played detroit in the second round Mm. and doing that east coast trip because again like you talk about nutrition and stuff like that travel to detroit Mm -hmm. three hours of time zone playing playoff hockey in the second round not usually it's just the finals so you can get away with it but um i think that hurt us and then I felt like the Chicago series, we got swept, which is like, I mean, you can't say anything against it. You got swept, right? It is what it is. But I think we doubled their shots every game and we caught Niemi, who he had that legendary run. And I mean, they were built so good, but I mean, game one, we were up one, nothing in almost the end of the second and Niemi makes that save on Chloe on the goal line and it's 2 nothing, and we win that game because they have probably like, I think at that point they had like 12, 15 shots and we were at mm-hmm. like 25, 30, we we're just all over them. And then they tied it up and beat us 2-1 that game. Um, and I feel like if we took that game, it would have been, and I, I don't think game two is really a game. And then in Chicago and like game four, it was like the shots were like you know 45 to 20 or something. And we just, <laughs> we lost another close one. So it was just mm-hmm. like, as you think you're there, you know, you can put pucks on that, but you got to score. But we just, I thought we carried the play for, you know, that first game was crucial for us. And and then the second year was just, we had, um, we were up, we were up three, nothing on Detroit right away. And we had them out and then we let them get to seven. So if you just think going, playing every other day, going to Detroit, playing a game, flying back, yeah. playing a game to Detroit, play a game, fly back, and then right away play Vancouver, who we were better than all year, um, but we were just all hurt. Um, I got hurt in game seven. Um, I know Chloe was very hurt. Jumbo, Jumbo's shoulder was gone. Um, we just had, like, everybody was banged up after that Detroit series, which is funny You say, like, oh, how are you banged up after playing Detroit? Because they were just this highly skilled team. But they played us so hard. and. hmm we had beat them the year before. So it was like, you know, they really wanted it. And we came out and took it to them. And it just was like, neither of those times were our, were our time. We just, we kind of ran out of gas. And the funny thing is, is that year with Boston, we were, we kind of had Boston's number. We were just a perfectly, a team to match up perfectly against them. Mm-hmm. Better so than Vancouver. So it's like, you know, you can go back and do that for most of the years, but I just feel like, we didn't make it to the finals, but I thought we just had such a, It's just one of those. It's again, it's down to the luck of staying healthy and and you lose some key guys and then some key plays, you know, and, and and then you're, you know, you're playing golf a week later.
1: Yeah. It's kind of underrated aspect is I guess the, the travel and all of the like not closing out a series, like you said, and then you go right away and playing. Takes a toll on you, man. You know,
2: it's, Mm -hmm. it's, look at uh, Vegas this year with just how uh, they closed out teams and I just thought they were just I mean it seemed like it was one of the easier years of winning a cup for a team hmm. but they just I just thought they were just leaps and bounds better than than most teams and they hmm. just closed out when they needed to close out like that's just the yeah. those crucial kind of games in every series you just its you win those and it's easy the the year LA won where they I think they lost three games it's just yeah. Was, yeah it's just being the ability to close out huge and then 2012 um the sharks didn't make it out of the first round
1: uh, I guess lost to the blues that year what do you think changed from the previous two years
2: we just lost the guys and then uh i think we weren't we weren't we just weren't the same team that that was the first years i think there's a lot of um, if I remember correctly, we lost a lot of you know, a lot of the guys that pushed in the right direction for us and a lot of guys that were that were top notch that in terms of in the room and, and it, it just didn't it just wasn't uh not, not that it wasn't the same. I think we still think we had the same team, but it just the replacement for it, it wasn't our year either. And and I think we were at this weird we lost both in the conference finals. And I think there's this huge, everybody thought there's this huge need for a change, like top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And I remember there's a lot of guys that came, that left and, and they didn't bring back. And it just kind of was one of those weird things of like, we're kind of in the room and we're like, we have it here. It's, it's, you know, it's, you can say that we're far off, but we're a player away, maybe less and, and, it's it might be even just a tweak mentally and and we kind of just overhaul too much, you know you overcorrect, and then we you get out in the first round the next, and then after that i mean it's it's another. then they just get rid of as many as possible because after you know after you go from conference conference to first round, you know a lot of teams don't have organizations one of the patients to wait so.
1: Lauren Bells start going off, saying we got to change something. They're never going to go back again. But,
2: but you look back to the year before, you already changed something, and then it just snowballs, you know what I mean? Right. So you just kind of it, – it happens in most organizations and sports. And, I mean, that's uh, – sometimes it's hard to stand pat. It really is.
0: I mean, it all kind of culminates in uh, 2014, which was your last full season with the Sharks. And that year, of course, uh, the the reverse sweep. Uh, But I wonder about your opinion or the locker room's opinion of two things that uh, contributed to to that uh, happening in the playoffs, the – Dustin Brown neon knee hit on Tomas Hurdle and I know Hurdle came back from the playoffs but I don't think he was quite 100% you know quite yet and of course in this in the first round series itself in game 5 Jared stoles elbow of Mark Edward Vlasic. and just what was your view of that and just the rooms of, you know what are you guys like you know what you know what you know what the hell you know or you know that was just part of the game kind of
2: No I mean that that series kind of uh um we had a lot of things that went wrong in that series um I mean those first three games I mean we were we were uh, world beaters but I mean no one really talks about it but our fourth line kind of won us those first three games and we had those we had Rafi Torres and um and but Rafi was playing on like he had nothing in his knee mm. and he was basically you know he was doing anything he could to play and 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 I just think it—he uh, ran out of gas after Game Three, and it just like was one of those—he was hurt for most of the year and was trying to—he was battling back, and he was—he was like heart and soul of our fourth lineman team. And I think it was him, it, if I'm not mistaken, it was him, Mike Brown and and Desjardins, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I uh, think so. I remember Mike around, Brown, yeah. but I I don't remember if it was. But a, they were probably... like they were—they ran that they ran. LA out of the building those I think the first two games and then everybody kind of we were all piggybacking off of that um and Rafi I mean if anybody knows Rafi and and watched him I mean he's such a game changer um and he's just one of those guys that alters series and and he was a hell of a player I just think he got shortchanged with you know he had a lot of those suspensions that a lot of time and then that knee injury he had was just horrible like it just like you know it's ones you don't want to see, and he's such a great guy, and and I love Rafi, and and um, I just thought he was such a big piece, and we were all after Game Three, we were, you know, after Game Two, I think uh, we were like, man, we're gonna we're gonna sweep him. Yeah, and
0: you then- guys won seven to two. I just looked that up, and it was uh, that line was uh, Rafi Torres, Andrew uh, John, and Mike Brown. Yeah. I remember
1: Mike Brown having a goal from the slot if I remember yep.
0: right. It <laughs> nice. was just
2: like this weird line that they put together that was just killing guys and were just you couldn't it just it just changed the series and then I think in game three Rafi's leg was kind of starting to get you know, because you have to freeze your your you had to freeze, I think, his whole almost half of his body just to play. Um and just shows you how tough he is. And I mean he barely had any feeling, I think, in his leg. So he was uh, he just kind of ran out of juice and and he was that line was pushing so much. And it was weird. In game three, we won. And and um, I remember all the guys were talking to a lot of the guys in L.A. that knew the guys in San Jose were, were texting with them being like, just finish us like we want to go home. And, and I think we just got comfortable for game four. And, you know, we talk about closing out a series and they kind of won game four and Raf, you know, that our line, I, I think Rafi was, it either it was got, not that it got neutralized, but I don't know if Todd, Todd maybe started playing them less or, right. or we kind of went, we switched something. And then you just kind of saw the momentum build a little bit. They kind of, they won game four and they go into game five. And I think game five was a, didn't they beat us pretty bad, Game Five? If I'm well, not... that's
0: uh, yeah, and that's uh, I don't know if I don't know if the score of that one, but that's when uh, uh, stole, uh, elbowed of uh, Vlasic. Yes,
2: and then he yes, and then we lost, then we got injured, and it was so we lost. You know, when you think about it, Rafi's already halfway hurt, so we mm-hmm. lose him, and then Pickles. I mean, that's two huge pieces. Yep. And then was it was it Vlasic or was it Ian White? It was uh, Vlasic. Okay white did White got hurt in that series
0: too. Oh did he too? Okay. Not, i don't I don't I don't recall white, that. White? Right? Yeah.
2: No,
1: I don't think that was that year.
2: That yeah, was, White might uh, have been Brad a couple
0: Stewart, years before. Scotty.
2: Yeah, it was Brad uh, Stewart, Scotty, me and it's, uh, Boyle.
1: Demir, Boyle Ice, Burns. King. Irwin.
2: Irwin. Matty Ice. Yeah. Yeah. Um <clears throat> But yeah, we just kind of and that the that, that was the year that Bernsey was playing forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Yeah, that was the year Bernsey played forward. I mean they 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 mix together in a in a crazy way, but No, <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, we were going to ask you about that actually. Like how much do these kind of run together after a while? I mean, I
2: feel like I'm doing pretty good. No, no sure. you're doing, you're great, doing great. really well. Hey, <laughs> oh, yeah, you remember that fourth line? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew
0: and Mike, uh, owe yeah, you. Yeah, you you pulled you pulled their name out from uh from the past. Yeah. Again. Uh,
2: but yeah and then it just was like you know you're in the room and guys are you know before every game it's like we need to win this game and it's like because this is dangerous now and then we went to game 6 and it was like oh my god game 6 they were flying Mm because they had blood in the water and I don't know game 7 was just a weird lead up to the game Um, I think we were down like 3-1 right away and we just kind of ran like just running out of gas and I think just emotionally guys seemed like they were spent and, and I don't know, it was just, it it was so weird. And we, we did have a very good team that year. Um, And it was just kind of one of those, like, you feel like if you get through them, you're going to, you're going to go far in the playoffs. Like they did because they're the team that won the cups. You kind of try to take, it ages well, you're lost, but at the same time, like, you know, you're, you're, you're in the, you're in the room after you're up, three nothing and you're like this is going to be a breeze and then it's just like a week later you're like holy shit we're 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 going home so it's like it was that one hurt a lot um i know for the whole organization and us too and then mm. i mean you know, they made it back to the finals but it just shows how competitive we wanted to be every year and, and how competitive we were for most of the time you know and, and those setbacks were like brutal so
0: yeah do, do you think the Kings kind of uh, robo-doped you guys a little bit? Because you mentioned that some of the Kings texted the Sharks after game three, you know, put us out of our misery. And, I mean, yeah. that's yeah. – I've it's, never heard, heard of that, you know. And so do, do you think they were I mean, mental so game a little bit?
2: There was some, like, funny stories of, like, guys could tell you about, like I, – I know some guys knew uh, – I'm pretty sure it was, like – it might have been Brad Stewart, but apparently Daryl Sutter, like, called him because he had him, <laughs> him after game three. Yeah. And either he was, you know, he was up late or doing something. And he, like, left him a voicemail and was like, what are you doing us, Stewie? Why are you beating <laughs> us? And, like, you know, it's just so funny that, <laughs> that you know, it all ended up, maybe they were rope a us. But it's just one of those, you know, I think they played it, they played loose after that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, game four, I thought, I thought game four, we, it was a really tight game, and they scored a weird one to win. Like I think, I think, uh, I think Nemo like had the puck covered. man, the puck covered or something.
0: Oh, that one. Yeah, right. It was Justin yeah. Williams. I think was in the yeah, middle. That maybe. It, it
2: yeah. was like a weird one, and it just like kind of, you know, you go back into the room, and I'm sure they were like, "We have something here." You know, it's like Florida this year where they were like, kind of like, we just we come back to LA, we'll win, and then we it's like game. You know, the game to win was game five for us when we went Mm -hmm. back because that's the one in San Jose you want to win because, you know, you think you go back to L.A. and that's a tough one to win in L.A. And then all the momentum. So it's really game five always. And and that's kind of what, you know, happened for us. Mm -hmm. It sucks. It still sucks.
0: Right, right. I mean, was there a moment? uh, I guess our last question about this. I know this is tough. Yeah, it's kind of dredging. Yeah. And it's uh, not that long ago, actually. Like, uh, but... Was there a, you know, you mentioned after 3-0, you know, there was probably a, a great sense of confidence in the room. Uh, so when was that moment where it was like, uh-oh, you know, like was it after game five when basically you guys couldn't pull that one out? No, it was,
2: it was like, you're kind of like, it's like, it's kind of like the lead up to game seven. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, you're more like, you never want to be like that as an athlete, but it's just impossible. It's human nature. You're just like, you start hoping you're like, well, I just hope they come out flat and I hope we get some bouncing. Mm. Instead of being like, we're going to get, you know, as a, when you're really dialed in as an athlete, you're kind of in that zone. You're like, right, you dictate you, I know. And yeah. you're like, I know, and I know this is going to happen and you know, I'm controlling and it's good. But then you're like, kind of like, uh Oh, you're just like, it's just one of those moments of, I hope like, please like, Oh God, please like make sure they're make sure they kind of come out slow and we should win. And it's like, we should, we could. And anytime you're speaking and kind of should have, what it could is you're, you're in trouble, I think in sports. So. And the um, off
1: season was kind of tumultuous for the sharks after that. Um, Joe Thornton got um, <laughs> stripped of his captaincy. Uh, what was your, or the locker room's opinion about that? It seemed like maybe Joe was getting scapegoated. Was there any of that
2: out there? Um, I mean, I thought I love both them and Patty and, and it was never those two um, ever. So I always felt it as a slight to them, just two guys that kind of bled the organization. I mean, they're still with the organization mm-hmm. now though, so, which is great. Um, so I think San Jose realized that in the latter stages, but I mean, you couldn't have asked for two better guys to come into a, to a, an organization like this and, and, do what they did and and, you know they never said boo and even when they left the organization they always had the best things to say about it and and even after all those you know the captaincy strippings and things like that but I mean it just speaks to their character they're just they're two amazing humans you know family men and and um like I said they're they're back with the team no matter what they just the love they have for San Jose and, and like most of us that were there during that time it's just it's hard to quantify it. Um, there just a special group. And, and so we, we did all think he did get scapegoated and kind of rallied around him. But I mean, it's the, the way of the game anyway, it's, it's the business side of it that, you know, we don't understand as well as we'd like as hockey players and, and you, you can get caught up in it emotionally, but, um, he handled it phenomenally. I thought, you know, he was, very upset for sure and I'm sure there were some there were some conversations had with him and Dougie but you know those were closed doors but you know he handled himself once the season started and and I thought as good as you could in that situation.
0: All right, well, let's uh, get out of the dark of all this and let's bring some holiday cheer to this. we got to ask you about the holiday sweater video. But before we get there, though, there was one question I wanted to ask about Jumbo. And uh, I read that he gave you your daddy nickname, but it was based on a game of cards when you kept calling yourself daddy. So are you, in fact, to blame for your daddy nickname? I
2: potentially am to blame for that nickname. (laughs) Um, And it just stuck. And... uh, Um... It's stuck, but I mean, it seems to, you know, my last four or five years, it kind of, there's a couple of people that still call me that, but thankfully it's, it'll be when I become an actual daddy and and that'll be the next time. So at least (laughs) it's now, it's, uh, because I'm getting a couple grays and it's, it's now it's, it might be a little bit more fitting than it was, you know, 10 years ago. Did you not like that
0: nickname? Because I mean, it's catchy, Daddy the Mares. I
2: mean, it it has a ring to it. I I didn't mind it. You know, I thought it was great. Um, you know, guys found it funny and you know it made guys smile so and people seemed to like it so for me it was uh I was fine with it it didn't even you know bother me and then you know you started catching myself calling myself uh daddy in the third person <laughs> so and it just got and I just got weird <laughs> yeah when you're looking at Bill Thornton calling you daddy it's like it just the big beard yeah
0: <laughs> yeah father himself
2: <laughs> yeah the, the granddaddy himself yeah
0: <laughs> but uh, uh jason i want to thank you so much for your time uh how you know your time's okay because i gotta ask you about holiday sweaters so we gotta yeah, go you know we gotta do a deep dive yeah, sure. on this stuff yeah shoot sure. no no go for it. <laughs> awesome. okay well my question who's the blame for a holiday sweater and do you think that's the reason why the sharks traded you at the start of the 2014-15 season <laughs> jesus i'm <laughs> just kidding maybe
2: i maybe i don't have time for you
1: log it <laughs> off right now
2: if i if i remember correctly from that i potentially had the best flow you did and the best and the dance anybody. moves anybody <laughs> and i had the least amount of camera time which is and I, which is wild they were giving <laughs> a lot to john scott which um i don't know if that's a guy i would i would Give the rap, he wasn't a
0: natural. I like his podcast, but he wasn't a natural. He's, a great, he's
2: got a great podcast, <laughs> so John Scott, the big bastard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was kidding, no, I actually really love that video. And if you guys haven't seen it, uh, guys yeah. uh, watching, you got to check it out. It's a Christmas rap video starring Jason Damaris, Matt Nieto, Alex Daylock, James Shepard, John Scott, Auntie Niemi, and some, some others. And so, actually, well, then, my, my next question is then, well, then, who who masterminded this then (laughs) okay tell us the origin of it
2: i don't know how it came to be but i know like the funny thing is like matt nieto was like uh he was like kind of like a amateur rapper yeah he's a musician
0: yeah (laughs) and he
2: he had some like songs that he had rapped out on uh you know i think i think for like our halloween party his first year he like went and he did a rap and everything and he was great he's such a good kid Um, i call him kid he's you know He's old now, but, uh, (laughs) for hockey, for hockey purposes, but, um, he, so he was such a good sport. And then it kind of just like spiraled off of that. And then they, I don't know who wrote the lyrics. I'd like to know who wrote them. Um, you didn't, you didn't write your part. Hell no, I, didn't
0: <laughs> I wanted to give you the credit, all right. That so you, you, had flow, so... you had a great flow, you had the dance moves, and you you wrote your parts. So. Matt Nieto's
1: gonna come on and say he wrote them,
2: yeah, <laughs> right. I, I remember the what was it? I, I'm so fly, I'm so sexy, even with my face pressed up against the plexi. That was, yeah, yeah. That's a good one, <laughs> that's you. That was mine. Yeah, I know, a hell of a chance I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> I had a hard time saying the words, but it was uh, they, it was funny that. That was like the cursed holiday video, if you think about it. Because, I mean, how many people on that video were traded from the Sharks? Yeah. yeah. Lost the game after, yeah. And I, think, I think Tomas is the only one that's left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. They don't came back, but Tomas is the only one that's left. And Staley yeah, like, and Shepard. Well, and... Brendan Dillon was there, too. He had a little... He had like a little. He came uh, in at the end there, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it's it was such a. You mentioned Brendan Dillon. He shows up at the end of the video, like he's like, "Hey, I want to." You know, this is like after the trade happens. Like, "Hey, I want to be in this on the video." Yeah. And then he's told like, "Oh, no, the videos are even shot." But like, I mean, it's so well thought of, and so like, yeah, like who? I like, mean, it, no, it you have no idea to... of the origin, who wrote the lyrics, all that kind of stuff. No, I'd have to Great find mystery out. and sharks. Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> Sharks
2: lore. It has, to, it has to go down as one of the best sports i don't know what you would call it it wouldn't go under a commercial it'd probably be like a spoof spoof song marketing
0: it's one of the last like really memorable ones i know like the the bears had a famous one after their super bowl in the 80s that's the one that stands out There's a couple other ones but that's one of the the last really memorable ones right oh yeah
2: i mean you had honor he had all of them on there right
0: dan (laughs) rusinowski
2: yeah yeah Ruzo playing the Ruzo's playing the the turntables
0: (laughs) but you got traded before uh thanksgiving so when did you shoot this video then
2: i literally we shot that video and i got traded i think like up two weeks later oh wow i I think less than that yeah because it was like we i went out for practice like a couple days later, a week later, and that's when they kind of pulled me off the ice to trade me.
1: Doug Wilson reviewed everybody's tape from the video. <laughs> oh, maybe so, Dallas oh, really
0: wanted it. you for yeah. your flow, actually. They're like this guy's
2: too good to be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the team. Yeah, I don't think, I hope it didn't factor into it. Then really, <laughs> I'd, really, I'd really be nervous about how bad I actually was on that tape. But, um, but yeah, it wasn't long after that. Yeah. That's,
0: well uh, how oh, so, hard did you guys try to get a uh, jumbo or patty or pav or
2: logan in, in the video <laughs> those you know that that kind of stuff like you know, I, i'm surprised jumbo did as many as he did mm-hmm. um um you know most teams you'll go on a lot of those guys don't the top guys don't really sure, do sure 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 he makes a
0: amount of money scores a certain amount of goals
2: <laughs> yeah which is kind of funny because i'm like you know i was like just lighten up like just stop acting like you're. Stop put your weights down and stop pretending like you're, <laughs> you're better. We know you're great at hockey. Like just go do a video, like, because the kids want to see it. That's who yeah. cares the most about it. But you know, it's, it's athletes. It's like the majority of them are got a stick <laughs> job <jump> somewhere. <laughs> I mean,
0: Jumbo with his beard, you know, the obvious know, Santa Claus implications. I mean,
2: like, I mean... <laughs> he was such a good sport for it. Like, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's hilarious. I mean, Pabs, Pabs did. I mean, that all the top guys in our team did these great commercials. I yeah. feel like the San Jose commercials were, what was it, Sla- with Slappy? He did his- Yeah, did
0: no, those are all, all great ones too. With, with Ryan and with Chloe. And I mean, those were great.
2: But I mean, that's kind of like when you're in a smaller market, you have to do those things. Sure. You have to have community outreach. So it's yeah. like, it just, it's the way it was. And I mean, it showed because I thought we built a great, great product and the fans came and they still come against all odds even though it's been a rough couple of years and you know for my 700th they were it was like a full rink so that yep. was like it was all for me but you know they were there for the Sharks as well but so but yeah no it was, it's it's I I the fans are amazing there and and it's like even though the the 49ers are in Santa Clara I I just feel like that's the Sharks are the team of San Jose so
0: well, uh, we we'll just have a couple more here for you, and we're going to get to your 700th game uh, to to close off. But got to ask you one more shark story. Uh, what was the secret door no- door knock for Mark Edward Vlasic? He told this great story on uh, Craig Morgan's Coyotes podcast how you guys used to knock on teammates' rooms on the road and then bum rush the, the the player, wrestle and punch him. And it got so bad that Vlasic wouldn't open his hotel room door unless there was a secret knock. And so, can you reveal the secret knock now? <laughs>
2: uh i mean i it, that would be tory mitchell um i mean i don't it was more for you know because you know we would you know vlasic was uh you know he was he'd come out to dinner with us but you know he would always you know he's very he's a very listen he's he you play that long as he's played and and done the things he did and he's a very dedicated mm-hmm. and um you know he wouldn't he'd go dinner and then he'd you know be back to the hotel room and he roomed with Tori and you know, me, Tori, and Dad of Gucci all lived together. So for my first couple of years, so we would all hang out on the road and we uh sometimes would want to go back and mess with, with Vlasik and we'd hide and try to get in there. And he just Tori needed to knock to make sure he could let him in to know that the coast was clear, otherwise he wouldn't let him in. And I don't know what I don't know what the knock was. It kind I think it might have changed every uh every road trip. it will have to. I mean, that, that team was just – it was just chaos of of pranks <laughs> and guys giving it to each other in terms of, uh, you know, it was – you weren't safe. You needed to have a thick skin on that team. And uh, you, every time you walked in the room or on the road, you were, there was landmine possibilities everywhere. So I <laughs>
0: that. Well, since yeah. we're talking about do you have one in mind that uh, – yeah, uh, uh, one of the great ones were back then?
2: I mean, the whole, like – I just thought it was so funny that it happened a couple of times around the road where, you know, and I've told this story many times, but just kind of, you know, guys would get to the hotel and they grabbed your room key before you got it and they took off. And then, you know, you'd get to the room and there'd be five guys in the room and you'd get, you'd kind of get jumped and, and beat up in terms of guys would just be ribbing you. And, and, and then it just would kind of spiral where eventually, You'd become part of that group, and then you would just go to the next. You joined show. the gang. <laughs> you join the gang, and then by the end there was like fifteen guys, you know, fifteen grown ass men running down a hallway, just beating up each other. Guys who have their hands wrapped in towels, and so there's just always like you know, it's we're all kids, right? So there's just wrestling matches and things like that. It's it's not as uh, glamorous as as people think. It's just a bunch of cavemen <laughs> having That's a fun. Game just being, being kids and enjoying life you know what i mean so
0: <laughs> well i'm disappointed that you don't know the secret knock because i was going to knock on mark's door on the road which is i think his worst nightmare to have media knocking on his door <laughs> oh yeah That's
2: true. If, he, if he hasn't changed much yeah i'm sure
0: he don't. i don't think he has. <laughs> no, yeah. i can tell you
2: <laughs> yeah yeah he, he doesn't like you so don't worry about that
1: and um Thank you so much for your time. I, we've been talking for a, almost an hour now, but yeah. um, moving forward in your career, you went on after San Jose to spend time with uh, the Dallas Stars, uh, Florida Panthers, Arizona Coyotes, and then your last game uh, so far, uh, if we're at the 95% retirement stage. Um, I
2: like it, Keegan. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> keep, <laughs> off, keep the door open, baby. Yeah, the
1: 5%. Um, your last game was uh, with the Edmonton Oilers, your 700th game um, at the SAP Center. Um, You're able to get your friends and family there too. Is that right? Oh, How yeah, special?
2: That... Um, no, no, that 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 game cost me a lot of money. So yeah.
1: <laughs> How special was everything? You had your the Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft, who was your assistant coach in San Jose, uh, recalling you for that game, having your friends, family. How expensive was it? Uh, just recount your. Yeah, time did you there.
0: roll yeah. roll through your two way contract on that one one day?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I pretty much I pretty much spent this whole year has been for free. No. Yep. <laughs> to get this game which um i mean the fact that it was in san jose and, and um it was where i you know was kind of scratched for my 699th my 700th when i was with arizona and the fact that you know i had to go oh, they, i didn't know
0: that oh wow
2: okay yeah my six when i was it was when i was in arizona um it was in san jose last game it was the last game of the season too and wow. okay. um so, but I mean, listen, I'm I'm grateful for that time because it made me keep playing for another two years. I mean, I don't know if I'd gotten it two and a half years ago if I would have kept playing. And but it also took me through a lot of dark times. And you know, I had back surgery. I went to Russia. I I, uh, I you know you played in the, Olympics. I, the good times with it as I got to yeah. play in the Olympics. I got to play overseas and kind of enjoy that um, time. And then it was it was a grind in terms of two years of training to kind of get my back to to give myself a good shot because I mean once it's hard to make it in the league when you're 21 and 2018 and it's even harder when you're 34 um to come back you know they're not really handing out contracts to 34 year olds and I kind of took it as I was trying to make the NHL again because that's really what it was because you're out of sight out of mind and um you know it was very it was it was really tough and and um it wasn't an easy time in terms of of not knowing if it was ever going to come or happen even that even the year in Bakersfield was was hard to kind of come back and play you know it was, we had a great group of guys and, and Edmonton treated me you know as good as I uh, I could have been treated there so you know I have no bad things to say but um you know it's always tough to as in a hockey player to swallow your ego and your pride. And that's the last kind of thing that, that hangs on for most guys. And, but, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful that not many guys get to kind of choose the way they go out. And and if I do go out, I got to do it in SAP in front of, you know, it was a full crowd. It was the the fan appreciation night. And, um, I got a crowd pop and and they got to announce my name and everybody gave me a good cheer. And, um, you know, my whole family was there. My, my fiance, her family and my, uh, one of my best buddies and and my niece who'd never seen me play live. So it was kind of really cool to kind of full circle, close the circle. And, um, yeah, it was a lot of emotion that whole game. And I mean, um, just seeing a lot of the guys that are still in San Jose and, um, seeing Logan and those guys just kind of everything, just the whole week year was like kind of, uh, remembering how everything started for me. Cause I mean, that whole season I was playing in the Barracuda, so we were playing against the Barracuda. So I was in San Jose most of that year and we we're staying at the hotel that I've started my career in. I spent mm. the full year in that Hilton on, <laughs> uh, on Almeida and, uh, I spent a full a full season in that room in one of those rooms, and I get to go back. I got to stay in that hotel. I put my family up there, which they'd stayed there when I started. We had dinner in the hotel. Um, I was st- We stayed to Valencia and San Jose. It was like a wild, just mix of things, and and it just instead of when I went to the SAP, I went to the right instead of the left, and you know I played against San Jose a ton after I left San Jose, but. It was just, it was a cool way to finish it. It's something I'll kind of hold close to my heart, and and when I have kids and all that, it'll be uh, something I'll be able to share with them because it was uh, um, not the turnover in the first period that I don't want to get. We to we out. didn't
0: say anything about it. to so. oh, we let that go.
2: That's part of the game. That chalks it up to the that chocks it up to the nerves of of uh, being back and. And I mean, I, if I remember, we still won six one. So yeah, I, exactly. Like you it. were
1: um, you, you said you were playing against the Barracuda a lot. Do you remember anybody from the Barracuda that stuck out to you that you were defending against? Maybe, maybe not.
2: I mean, it, it was a weird year for them in terms of like, I, I, there was a lot of turnover now on the team. Like, they yeah, probably, from the year before. Yeah. yeah, a lot of younger players, first year Yeah, I mean. I mean, you know, like you know, Veal and Raska and those guys. I always think, you know, those those hard worker guys are going to get it. I mean, skill wise, I mean, you got those the, your first rounders that were, you know, Bortolo, and and it's always hard. You have to look at it from a lens of of where the NHL is going now, over um, where I started, where you're like, oh my god, these guys were so small, like they're they're going to get crushed. But you know, they, you, there's a lot of skill there that I think if it's developed the right way, it's 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 it has a very good chance to be good um i i just think that team is just you know a lot of those young kids just learning to play that shark's way just a little bit harder and, and more grind and and consistency it just was it the their kind of team was just inconsistency last year they they'd have a game they're phenomenal and then you would play them the next night and it was like who is this team hmm
0: which is yeah. that's
2: that's youth and that's learning to to play with consistency and that's that's the hardest thing to do in the league is to just every game night in and night out be you know the best kind of version of you. So, yeah. but I uh, I had some good battles with Wise Platt. Yeah, he pissed me off a little bit, so I tried. To, I tried
0: That's to, good. That's supposed to be uh, his reputation. I, I tried am. to kill him every game. I got
2: him a couple times, though, but I, I'm sure he was, <laughs> I he, was, I he was sick of me by the end of, the, like, the last game. because was.
0: What, what did he do to take you off? Just the, you know, regular stuff? Well, I was over. hurt.
2: I was hurt, and uh, we played a game, and, um, and they played against us in Bakersfield, mm. and he, he crushed, like, two guys, and then he wouldn't fight. And then he blamed, it. and he blamed his shoulders. Said he had bad shoulders. Why he's not fighting? But he was hitting everything. <laughs> so, so I kind of was like, it was just didn't sit right with me. Hmm. I'm like, at least have a better excuse. Like you know, yeah. say, say you got a problem. He does stand. have bad
0: shoulders, but yeah, that's probably he not does. a good excuse when you're getting yeah. tight.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, there's a reason he got. It. He's got bad shoulders. If he's <laughs> running around like that, so I'm like, well, then don't run around like an idiot. <laughs> um, so we played him the next night and I, I took a big run at him and sure. uh, got him good. And then just kind of kept hitting him, you know, just yeah. staying on him. I mean, he's yeah. got, some, he's got some talent um, <laughs> and he plays hard, but I mean, I think he, uh, it's hard when you're that big to hit like that much. It the boy sure. wears in the body big time. Yeah. He can hit
1: though. I mean, he's, he's plays
2: some. Hits oh, he, he is hard. Like he hit some yeah. of our guys last year. And I was, I, uh, I was surprised i was like he's got a little bit of he's got some weight to that body mm-hmm. throwing the kitchen sink out all 100 he's throwing all 130 pounds <laughs> yeah. he wet
1: the equipment before he's, he's soaking wet 130 pounds yeah
2: exactly yeah he's got it before yeah but he was uh no he played well and then uh you know those those i uh, I, I always like those guys that the rascals and stuff like that yeah they, they kind of grinded um I know. I know that Bortolo should he should be decent little player as well. So, yeah, yeah. And then if I'm forgetting everybody, it's just it. I I didn't. I don't. You know, you get into that league, and I didn't know not one person I even heard of. So you're just kind of (laughs) like, yeah, it's
1: all different, and yeah, all the time. I
2: I forgot that grind of the AHL. Jesus Christ, it's.
0: you Is knew there, John McCarthy but he he he's the coach. Yeah, I know. I saw Big John a couple of times so it's good to see him.
2: I played with him my first year in the A so it's yeah. fun. Hey, full circle.
0: But speaking of that full circle, I wanted to just pull back with a couple more questions about your 700th. Uh, just first uh uh just how far in advance did you know that it was happening? You know, did did Jay Woodcroft mention it like a month out or uh, you know, so was it sort of planned a little in advance, or did it really kind of come together really fast? Like it was kind of like a surprise uh, for, for you at the end of the season.
2: I mean, I at the start of the year, it, it was just one of those weird years as well. You know, I thought I was going to get called up early on. Um, they were kind of hinting at it, and then I got a, con- I had a concussion issue, hmm. so I had to fix that just because you know it, it just was something that needed to be addressed so i was sure. out for two three weeks and um you know Vinny de ended up going up and uh, he did great you know he's he's going to be a great defenseman for a long time but then i the kind of you know i i came back from my concussion and kept playing and then was like no whenever you know if there's an injury i'll go and i'll stay and you know credit to them they stayed healthy the whole year at the back end and um so it's kind of like, it was like, Jesus, like, they're going to be healthy the whole season. So wow. Yeah. Um, which is what you want when you want to win. So um, I was just kind of waiting. And then I got a, you know, I got another little injury. I got a high ankle sprain and I was kind of out for a couple of weeks. And I was like looking at the calendar and I was like, well, I got to kind of get back playing if I want a chance to get called up because they can't just kind of right Going to the room and be like hey call me up like give me, my, <laughs> give me my game you know what I mean so um uh, it has to kind of be earned and so I came back and uh we played and we went on like a huge run um in Bakersfield we won like we won like 15 out of probably, like 13 games we were just we were we were on fire we almost got fourth place and and um uh, it was like five games left in the season and we were playing the Barracuda and I was kind of like, I don't think this is going to happen. And I was like, I'm not sure. So we're playing the game. And I, I like looked down to the left and on the, on at the rink in the stands. And I see somebody giving me the finger. Yeah. Who's giving me the finger. I'm like, it's, it's Dan Boyle. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, boy, like what's boiler doing at a, at, at a Barracuda game. Um, so he's laughing and I, you know, we, I played the game and then i talked to him after and he, uh, he just texted me after and he's like, are you, you know, are you going to get your 700th? I guess he, I guess he looked at it and then was, I guess he was wondering why I was, you know, he saw me at the game in the A at, at 35 because, you know, Dan's not really a social media guy or I don't even know if he owns a flip phone. <laughs> and, uh, so he, uh, he texted me and was just like, are they going to give you your 700th? And I was like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm, so I kind of went to push that next day and, and I kind of asked and, and um, they were gracious enough. It it worked out well. They were like, we're going to see what we can do. And they ended up setting it up for the San Jose game um, in San Jose. So I got to drive down to Anaheim and um, I practiced in Anaheim with the guys. And then you know, it was it was a day game. It was a one PM game, so it was like I had no time to sit and, and think. It was just play, and then right back, right after I was in the <laughs> I was in the parking lot all by myself. Right after, <laughs> right after the game. So, yeah.
0: Well, no, that's I mean, that's just an awesome story. I mean, I'm I'm glad it all kind of. I mean, if you think about it, it's obviously disappointing that you weren't able to do it in 2021. But that season, uh, you know, I was covering the Sharks back then, and there were no fans in, in, in the, in the arena. And by the end of the season, it was a very limited number of fans were, were allowed. So it would have been like a 500 people or whatever at, at you know, if, if that became your 700th game. So kind of, kind of, you know, I know it took a, you mentioned a, a kind of a dark period a, after that season, but it all kind of came together in the an end and you had a, a last game of the season. Like you mentioned, i the sharks, you know, the uh, SAP center hasn't exactly been selling out for the last couple of years, but last game of the season fan appreciation night you got everybody there and you you know you were able to get your family and friends there too with enough time the only problem was that you got hit with the last minute flight and hotels right it's too expensive there (laughs) but besides that though everything worked out just perfectly
2: yeah i mean montreal to san jose isn't the cheapest flight but uh but yeah it was just like a perfect i mean and you know when you say that it's it's it is true that know would have been in front of an empty stadium and i got to see a lot of people that um at the rink and and i mean seeing leaving in a full rink at san jose scp where i mean that's still to this day the best arena i've played in when it's rocking in the league bar none um it was just those those times were incredible um those that eight years when i was playing with the sharks and even when you know the years that wasn't when they Went to the finals i mean that building was something else and i mean it shook so it was i think i got hearing problems because of it <laughs> uh, but yeah it's, it's uh it was a great like i said it's it's to write your own story is always a, a, a blessing in itself so it's like for me it was to be able to do that and, and finish it on my own and, you know not a lot of guys get to do that and, i mean not a lot of uh guys can I always say there's two leagues, but, um, a lot of the top guys get to write their own story, but a lot of guys that have kind of been through that been through it and up and down through their careers, they don't really get to choose when it happens. It's kind of chosen for them. So for me, I was, you know, super grateful and to Woody and the whole Edmonton organization. And I mean, even Jersey and San Jose to, to kind of have that video tribute mm-hmm. video and, and a little shout out for me. Um, you know, I won't forget it. That's for sure. And, and um, uh, to have my family see that was really cool. So, so they uh, he, in my fiance and all that. It was, it was sure good, good memories to take with me. So,
0: well, Jason, awesome. I want to thank you again uh, so much uh, for your time. Ninety five percent. Congratulations on a great career.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I won't let this one down. <laughs>
1: you got to come back and tell us when it actually happened. Yeah, it's a, good, it's, a, it's a lot of special. Stuff
2: yeah i feel weird given the official you're retired when you know i get to play a kids game for 15 years i, I don't consider it a, a retirement it's just some um, you know looking i'm looking for employment now is the- <laughs> not playing a game anymore i'm looking for a job so uh so yeah but Thanks thank so much, you Jason. yeah thank you very much it's a pleasure to be on the be on the phone with you guys or whatever this is zoo podcast the podcast Podcast, gotta
0: get with the times jason
2: i know now that i'm in tv i gotta get all the lingo down